Bravo is turning the story of Dirty John into a limited TV series starring Connie Britton as Deborah Newell and Eric Bana as John Meehan. Based on the L.A. Times series and this very podcast, the scripted anthology series will bring the story to life. Catch the new series coming soon, only on Bravo. I'm Laura Beal, a health reporter from Dallas. A year ago, a listener of Dirty John emailed Wondery, which produced Dirty John with the L.A. Times, with a tip about a surgeon. He said the surgeon, Christopher Dunch, appeared to have a lot in common with John Meehan. Since then, I've been investigating the tip and found out that the story goes beyond the surgeon and the 33 patients that he hurt. It's a story about a system that failed to protect those patients at every possible turn. And it's the same system that's supposed to protect you and me today. You're about to listen to a preview of Dr. Death, and while you're listening, go subscribe to Dr. Death on Apple Podcasts or find a link in the episode notes. I hope you help us spread the word because it's a story that everyone should listen to. A listener note, this story contains adult content and language. Imagine that you're struggling with back pain for months, maybe years. No one can tell you what's wrong. You live with the pain day after day. You feel like your life is out of control and you can't find a way to take it back. Then, you find a doctor. It's a miracle is all I've got to say about it. Dr. Dunch is one great man. He is the best doctor, I think, that anybody could ever go to. You trust him. And if you're having the problems that I had, you know, give him a call, because he'll fix you. We're at our most vulnerable when we go to our doctors. We place our trust in the person at the other end of that scalpel. We trust the hospital. We trust the system. Don't forget for more information on any of the outstanding doctors you see on today's show, you head to the website and that would be Candace. BestDocsNetwork.com, that's the place. That is the place to go. Now the place to go is our next Patients seem to sing the praises of Dr. Christopher Dunch. He had glowing reviews on health grades and on his Facebook page. He claimed to be the best spinal surgeon in the state of Texas. He could fix you. So you go ahead with the surgery. Okay, we're gonna have you count backwards from 10 now, please. When you wake up, you're in awful pain and you can tell the faces around you are somber. You think, God, what did he do to me? It turns out there was another story about Dr. Dench, the one you didn't see, couldn't see. You don't know this yet, but you will never walk again. And you are one of the lucky ones. From Wondery, I'm Laura Beale, and this is Dr. Death. This is episode one, Three Days in Dallas. I've lived and worked in Dallas for more than 20 years as a medical journalist. Although now I write mostly for national magazines, I used to work for the Dallas Morning News. I've been in and out of a fair share of the hospitals here. We've got a lot of them. 
Dallas Medical Center sits just outside the northern edge of town. It's a community hospital, an uninspired brown building just a few stories tall. It's been around under one name or another for decades. And it's one of several hospitals in the area where Dr. Robert Henderson has worked during his 40-year career. He's a trim man, balding with a short gray beard. On July 26, 2012, Dr. Henderson was at home when he got a phone call from the administrator of Dallas Medical Center. And I was called in the afternoon uh, right around 2 o'clock. They had a patient who'd just been through surgery, and she was not doing well. So I was uh, over at that other hospital probably within 90 minutes. Dr. Henderson is highly respected in the Dallas medical community. He truly loves being a surgeon. Well, I wanted to be a physician since I was seven years old. And then in medical school, he quickly realized that he liked fixing people's problems just like that. Seeing patients diagnosed appropriately, seeing patients uh, receiving the proper surgical procedure, and then just observing and basking in the pride of having uh, reversed their disease, in many cases, uh, stopping their pain, and actually curing problems. And that's what I liked. And had you gotten a call before this to come in and correct a procedure from a previous surgeon? I have over the years. That's occurred multiple times. But usually it's initiated by the surgeon themselves. I mean, every surgeon has the potential to get into a situation he can't handle. Uh, Either it's outside the scope of his specialty or you just discover something that wasn't there or recognized on the preoperative diagnostics and needs to be taken care of or an accident occurs. For most of his career, Dr. Henderson has focused exclusively on the back. He's even helped develop some of the surgical techniques common to spine surgeries today. It wasn't unusual for him to get asked to help with a complicated spinal case. But this call, this call was different. But I had never been called in by the administration to take over the care of a patient. When Henderson got to Dallas Medical Center, the administrator started filling him in. The patient was a woman named Mary Eford. She'd come in for surgery on her own two feet, but after a long day in the operating room, she'd been left in agony. Now, she could barely move her legs or wiggle her toes. The administrator also told Henderson the name of Mary Eford's surgeon. I had heard Dunch's name previously through kind of the grapevine. Dr. Christopher Dunch. What he'd heard wasn't good, but it was just talk, murmurs in doctor's lounges. He hadn't paid that much attention. Well, I'm, I'm putting it together with what I'd heard on the grapevine. And of course, now I have a deep level of concern and some verification of what I'd heard. But Dr. Henderson was also aware he was hearing from someone who might not understand all the nuances of spinal surgery. And now I really want to look at the diagnostics, look at all the imaging that has been done since her operation. Henderson studied the x-rays and the notes. Dr. Dunch had written step by step before the surgery how he was going to go about it. His plan was correct, except there was a problem. The procedure that he intended to do was not the procedure that he did perform. 
So what's going through your mind when you're looking at the x-rays and his operative notes and you're reading all of this? What are you thinking? Well, I'm really thinking that, that some kind of travesty occurred here because he hasn't done virtually anything that he intended to do or that he described in the operation. But the ailing Mary Eford wasn't even the whole story from that day at Dallas Medical Center. Dr. Henderson also learned about another woman Dr. Dutch had operated on just the day before, who was also in serious condition. So serious, in fact, that she'd been taken into intensive care just as Dunch was scheduled to begin operating on Mary Eford. He's doing it while one of his patients he's operated on the previous day is dying and needs expert care. And he's the only neurosurgeon there, and he totally abandons her. The other woman, the one who was already in intensive care, was named Floella Brown. Floella was 64 years old. She and her husband, Joe, had met and fallen in love in high school. Joe had retired, and Floella was getting ready to retire too. She'd had neck surgery once before, a few years back. The doctors had installed titanium plates, but now her neck and left shoulder were hurting. She wanted to be pain-free before she and Joe moved to a house on Lake Texoma. Dr. Dunch was supposed to remove a disc from her spine and attach hardware to fasten two vertebrae together. He began the surgery early on the morning of July 24, 2012, a Tuesday. Most people in the room assumed that everything was going smoothly for the first 20 or 30 minutes. Then, Dr. Dunn started to complain that he was having trouble seeing her spine. He was saying, oh, there's so much blood I can't see. Kyle Kissinger was one of the nurses in the operating room that morning. He'd worked with Dr. Dunch the day before and was already starting to wonder how good a surgeon he was. So he was using one of the scrub techs from our hospital. And so he just keeps telling her, suck more, suck more, get that blood out of there, I can't see. There was a lot of blood, way more than there should have been. It was seeping through the blue draping around Floella's body and dripping onto the floor. There was a bucket on the floor for used sponges. Usually when they're tossed into the bucket, they're splotchy or slightly pink, but not this time. I was getting back dark red sponges. The sponges were soaked through with blood. The surgery lasted a long time, way longer than it should have. When it was done, Floella had lost a lot of blood. In the recovery room, though, she said she felt okay. She asked for ice. That evening, Joe came to visit with their son and granddaughter. Joe was worried. Something about his wife didn't seem right. He would later describe her as fidgety. When he came back at around 5.30 the next morning, her condition had deteriorated. Floella's body was convulsing. Joe dashed to the front desk and told the nurses she needed help. A half hour later, Floella Brown lost consciousness. When Kyle Kissinger arrived for work, Another nurse told me, hey, you know, did you hear what's going on with your patient from yesterday? 
Kissinger asked if Dr. Dunch had been to see her. I'm like, well, have you called him or, you know, she just says we're unable to get a hold of him, so, which is concerning. In fact, Dr. Dunch was nowhere to be found. That was just a preview of Dr. Death. To hear the rest of this episode and not miss what happens next, subscribe to Dr. Death on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, or find a link in the episode notes.